Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. It's good to worship. Um, it was so, I, I'm, I'm the loudmouth down, you already figured that out, shouting earlier in the service. It was so awesome to be there uh, when uh, uh, Abby was uh, baptized. Um, uh, what you didn't see, well, you heard them. You heard uh, 50 kids uh, packed on the, on the shore uh, all going, yeah. But, you know, the sense of the spirit there was uh, so strong. And uh, about um, uh, four or five of the other adults, as we uh, made our way back up to the, um, uh, the main lodge, we were all saying, I think this, this, this made a huge impact on these other kids. This, this might become like a tradition, which, you know, <laughs> it's a little cold for a tradition. But, but, <clears throat> but, I mean, it just struck me how real it was. And I think that's... The, the reality of the Holy Spirit was just so strong in the place. And, and uh, so I praise God for that. And I'm so glad you guys uh, got to see that. It was a really wonderful, special moment. Well, let's, uh, let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 3. We're going to look at um, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. This is the uh, famous story of uh, Nicodemus coming to visit Jesus and question him. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. You can uh, pull out your pew Bible in front of you. If you have your own Bible, that's great. If you don't have a Bible, take the pew Bible home. I'm serious. Uh, I want you to have a Bible. If you don't have one, let's not neglect this. This is God's word to us. Wow. It's uh, good news. It's truth. And it gives us hope uh, every day. I hope that you will uh, feed on the word of God every day. John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee. A man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. How can anyone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. But you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. 
But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Friends, this is God's word of truth for us today. God, thank you so much. That passage has so much in it. We could never touch it all in a short time. But God, it's so rich. You are so deep and and beyond our grasp, and yet you reveal yourself enough to us for us to realize, wow, there is nothing more important than this. There is no one more important than you. Our hearts respond to the truth that we have just heard. And we pray that as we consider this today, that you will work in our hearts, Holy Spirit, that we would respond to the call that you have on our lives. And we ask it in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Well, some of you have probably heard this quote from St. Francis. Preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Anybody ever heard that quote? That's a pretty familiar one, isn't it? Well, we are in our blessed series, and we're talking about blessing the world. We're talking about looking at all the folks around us who are not connected to God and wanting to bless them wanting to go out and really be a blessing in their lives. Think right now, think of the people, the three people that I hope you've been praying for over these several weeks that that aren't really connected to God right now. Think of them and, and now just imagine, just imagine their lives being wonderfully blessed because you've shown up in some way to be a blessing to them. That's what we're focusing on. So B is uh, for blesses. Begin with prayer. Don't start um, your day. Don't, don't do anything unless you talk to God. And that prayer of, Lord, may I be a blessing today to someone, especially someone who doesn't know you, is a beautiful prayer to start every single day with. Uh, B and L is listen. Care enough to really listen to other people's stories and needs. If you really listen, people sense that. You know what it's like to get somebody who's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, mm-hmm, uh-huh, gotta go. That's not listening. Listening is, wow, I'm here. I'm really interested in what you're saying. E is eat missionally. This is like some of the best news for some people in the world here, that the Holy Spirit loves to work through food and that we can invite someone to just hang out and eat and there's doors that open into their lives. There are channels which open up with people if you just sit and eat with them that don't happen in any other way. So uh, B-L-E and then S is serve like Jesus. And that is not that you have to uh, have the power of Jesus on your own. No, when the Holy Spirit fills you, you are able to go forth and serve and reach out to others. You remember the little kid last week from the video? Don't forget to share love. Remember that? Don't forget to show love. I guess that it was. Uh, What was President who? What was he? President Alex. Yeah, that's right. That's awesome. That was great. And then today, today we get to our second uh, S in bless, B-L-E-S, and then the second S. S is share your story. There comes a time when you've begun with prayer and you've listened and you've been eating with someone 
and you are serving them or you're allowing, remember we heard that sometimes allowing them to uh, be, allowing yourself to be vulnerable enough for them to serve you, that that opens things up. But there comes a time when you've been hanging out with somebody like that long enough that you have a chance to share your story. And what is your story? It's about how God has been active in your life. It's about uh, where you've come from and uh, who you are and where you're going. It's about what God has done. It's about how God is shaping us. It's your story, but it's linked to the greater story. The greater story of just how wonderful God is. How focused he is on reaching out to this world and saying, I want you to be a part of my greater story. I want to bless you. I want to draw you into life, away from death, which is what it means to be away from God. It means heading towards certain death. And we don't want that for others. We want them to be blessed. Well, by far, most of the people who uh, think about these different categories, uh, beginning with prayer and and uh, listen and eat and serve and then share your faith. Here, share your faith, share your story and go, ooh, really? Really? Can I do all the others? Can I preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words? You know, there's a variation of this quote sometimes that I see written, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. Not when necessary, but if necessary. And this seems to sort of open the door to the possibility that it might actually be possible uh, to uh, share the gospel and never have to talk about it. Now, I'm not going to ask for any hands here, but does anybody's heart thrill to that idea? I might get to share the gospel and never have to talk about it. Just do stuff. We might just be able to act our way there and people will get it. And when we sometimes think about our co-workers or our neighbors or our relatives or those folks around us that we don't know Jesus, and if we hear that word, if, like, you know, preach the gospel at all times and only, if necessary, use words. In other words, you might just be able to be nice to people and never have to actually say anything to them. And you think about those people and you go, yes, I'm off the hook. I think I could get away with this. But I, I want you to know that whether we think it's when necessary, share, share the gospel, or if necessary, use words, the difference between that, between when or if, is huge. And I think very significant. I, I do want to say that I don't think you can spell, spell bless with only one S. I think that second S share your story, that's pretty important. In the story from um, John chapter 3, uh, we hear this, uh, this great encounter with uh, Nicodemus that Jesus has. Um, this is a story of how Jesus shares the gospel one-on-one -on -one with another person. Now, Nicodemus says here in the text was a Pharisee, and the Pharisees were extremely uh, vigilant uh, lay people. They weren't priests. They weren't clergy of any kind, but they were laypersons who cared very much about 
uh, obeying God's law, the law of the Old Testament, and they didn't want to um, uh, disobey it in any way because they remembered the history of Israel. And every time Israel started disobeying God's law, they went off the rails and eventually God would sort of send some foreign power to take over them for a while. And they didn't want that to happen. And here they were, people who were living currently under the uh, foreign power of the, uh, the, the Romans. And they're like, look, it's bad enough already. Let's, let's keep on trying to be more and more obedient. And so these Pharisees had built up this huge hedge of hundreds of rules that they set around the actual rules of the law. And they said, okay, we want to keep the law. And so in order to do that, we're going to build up this hedge of extra rules. And the extra rules are going to help us uh, not uh, disobey the, the, the key rules. And they butted heads with Jesus all the time because Jesus all the time blew off their extra rules. He's like, I don't care about your extra rules. That's not what it's really all about. Now, he didn't blow off the law. He kept the law, but he would break their rules. And so they didn't like him. But Nicodemus seems interested. He wants to have a real spiritual conversation with Jesus. And so he comes to him in the only context in which he can do that, in secret. Nicodemus comes in secret. He wants to talk about Jesus, uh, talk with Jesus without getting in trouble with his fellow Pharisees, with all the other folks. And remember, he wasn't just an average Pharisee. He was on the Sanhedrin. That's the ruling council of the Jews. He was a very important Pharisee. And so um, he comes to Jesus at night. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. It's the first ever recording of Nick at Night. You like that? Wow, you guys laughed. I'm really actually pretty... I was ready for booze on that one. Yeah, but um, where's Jared? I need the drum. All right, anyway. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, Look, we know you're from God because of all the miracles you do. We know you're the real deal. Now, what's really interesting is what Jesus says to him. Jesus does not respond and say, Oh, that is so nice of you. Man. There are so many people who don't believe in me, and you have taken the time to come here and support me emotionally and, and you know, just like recognize who I am, and, and I'm so thankful. No, he doesn't say that at all. Nicodemus says, look, we know you're the real deal. You're from God because of all your miracles. And Jesus goes, uh-huh. You know you're going to need to be born again. Now, this is... This is challenging conversationally to Nicodemus because Nicodemus has always been taught that he can be right with God by just obeying the rules. And Jesus is saying to him when he gets this compliment, you know, hey, we know you're the real deal. And Jesus goes, yeah, I'm the real deal. Here's, here's the real deal for you. You're going to need to be born again spiritually. Now, Nicodemus immediately says, uh, what? <laughs> how, uh, how, how do, uh, surely you don't mean we're supposed to be born again out of our mother's womb, right? Born, like literal born again. And I don't actually think Nicodemus is asking if this is anatomically possible to happen. He's, but he's saying, what? 
You're asking for something way beyond. There's no way that all my previous intel, Jesus, is wrong, that I can't be right with God just by obeying the rules. You're telling me there's something different that has to happen here? And Jesus says, I'm telling you the truth. No one enters the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Now, being born of water is a a memory of of, of the, the water breaking in the mother's womb and a child being born. But also we recognize, as we saw today in the, the video, that being born of water uh, can, can mean the idea of baptism. And, but also being born of the Spirit. A new spiritual start. And Jesus goes out, he says, look, humans give birth to new humans. But only God's spirit can birth children of God. Only the spirit of God can make children of God. People adopted into God's family. Nicodemus is confused. How can this be? And Jesus says, look, you're you're a spiritual leader. You're supposed to understand this stuff. I'm telling you how it works. It takes God's spirit to make you new. But then Jesus ramps it up more. He says, and the only person who would know this kind of thing is a person who's come from heaven, like the Son of Man. Now, if Nicodemus has been listening to Jesus at all, he knows that Jesus' favorite term for himself is the Son of Man. In other words, Jesus is saying, yeah, and I came from heaven to tell you this good news, to tell you that God loves you and wants eternal life for you. Jesus finally, he really goes at it for at the end. He says, and the Son of Man must be lifted up. He refers to an Old Testament story uh, where Moses lifted up a, a bronze snake and people who had been ill were able to look at it and receive him healing. He says, look, in the same way, the Son of Man is going to be lifted up. He's looking forward to the crucifixion. Lifted up so that people who believe in this crucified Son of Man can find eternal life. Because God's not interested in really condemning the world. He's interested in saving it. And that's, we get that beautiful verse, John 3.16, which we've all seen in football end zones for the last 20 years. John 3.16. So powerful. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. That is powerful. That is the gospel in a nutshell. That this raising up of Christ on the cross and then his dying and then his resurrection again, that is what was necessary in order that those, the rest of us who are all broken and in need of uh, forgiveness and transformation and healing would be able to not have to die but can be released from the guilt of our sin and given eternal life. That verse comes right here in this Nicodemus story. So here's the quick version of what just happened. Nicodemus shows some genuine spiritual interest. And Jesus tells him who he, Jesus, is, what he's really doing in this world, which happens to be more than just miracles, and what Nicodemus needs to do to connect fully with God. He needs to believe and follow Jesus. And that way he can have eternal life. Now, you know what Jesus just did right there? He just shared a story. Nicodemus comes with a flattering statement. We know you're the real deal. And Jesus says, well, let me tell you some truth. 
And in the midst of that truth, he shares about himself. It's the second S, share your story. Well, back to that quote by St. Francis. Preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. And boy, don't we like it if it would only say, if necessary. If necessary, use words. Because, see, if necessary, if I could get my act together, and if I'm kind and, and, and basically a nice person and helpful, and if I wear my Christian t-shirt, and if I put my Jesus bumper sticker on my car, then maybe I won't actually have to tell anybody. Maybe I won't actually have to talk about Jesus. That's kind of intimidating. Maybe I'll just be able to show it and people will get it, you know, by osmosis. Do you remember what osmosis is? It's like you just get it. <clears throat> That's the pastor's job, isn't it? Isn't it the pastor's job to tell people about Jesus? I think it is. I'm not sure it's my job. That might be what you're thinking. And then you can add, plus I don't really know that much about the Bible, and I'm not so good with words, and I don't want to be seen as a fanatic. You know, um, in the summer of 2017, George Barna did a survey. He surveyed 1,714 U.S. adults, and he asked people about sharing faith, having religious conversations and sharing faith. There were two primary areas which summed up why most of the people said that they would rather not share their faith. And the two areas were avoidance and ambivalence. Avoidance was this. Uh, here's the top two responses. Uh, religious conversations always seem to create tension or arguments. That was 28% of the people responded that way. And 17% responded, I'm put off by how religion has been politicized. So I would like to just kind of avoid it. The other group uh, tended to, towards ambivalence. Um, their top two responses were, I'm not religious and I don't really care about these kinds of topics. That was 23%. And also, I don't feel like I know enough to talk about uh, religious or spiritual topics. That was 17%. Does it, do those sound like familiar thoughts? Maybe, maybe with you, but maybe with friends of yours, or, or maybe you've heard people say that, that type of thing before. Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. You know, you know what's interesting about that quote? It's completely, has not, it has nothing to do with St. Francis. There is absolutely nothing in historical record that says St. Francis said anything like this. Anything even remotely like this. None of his followers say he said this. None of his uh, early biographers say this. There's nothing out there. In fact, when you do research on St. Francis, St. Francis preached the gospel verbally all the time. All the time. Here's uh, Mark Galley, who's the editor of Christianity Today. He wrote an article about the truth of St. Francis. Francis clearly spent a great deal of time using his words when he preached sometimes preaching in up to five villages a day, often outdoors. In the country, Francis often spoke from a bale of straw or a granary doorway. In town, he would climb on a box or up steps in a public building, and he preached to anyone 
who would gather to hear the strange but fiery little preacher from Assisi. He was sometimes so animated and passionate in his delivery that his feet moved as if he were dancing. That's exciting. Francis preached the gospel all the time. He was somebody who didn't put it off in any way. Dwayne uh, Lifton, who's a former president of Wheaton College, said this. It's simply impossible to preach the gospel without using words. The gospel is inherently verbal. And preaching the gospel is inherently verbal behavior. And the idea of a deeds-only way of spreading the gospel is not biblical. Paul, after all, asks the church in, uh, uh, in Rome, in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, he says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? People don't get the good news by osmosis. People get the good news by, yes, you serving and eating and listening and beginning with prayer, but then at some point saying, yeah, Jesus is real. Yeah, this, this whole God thing is real. It's alive. It's something that's changed my life. And see, if we begin with prayer and listen and eat and serve, God is definitely going to bring us into situations where it will actually be necessary for us, like St. Francis, to use words, to definitely share our story. Now, I, I, I get it. I think this quote came about uh, as, as a meant, uh, it was meant to combat people just talking about their faith and not living at all. You know, I just, I'm just going to tell you the gospel, you know, you're starving to death, and we're just going to tell you Jesus loves you, and then we're going to walk away and we're not going to feed you. And, and I think that that is appropriate, appropriately something to push back against. We should feed people and tell them the gospel. But I don't think that's the problem that we have today. I think the problem we have today is that everybody's willing to sign up for, yeah, I'll help out with the serving part. But the talking part, that's kind of freaky. We better let Pastor Kristen do that. <clears throat> I'm in. You're in. Okay, good. <laughs> I mean, imagine a relief organization whose motto was feed the hungry and if necessary, use food. <laughs> Care for the sick and if necessary, Use medicine. It's just like ridiculous. Share the gospel, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. No. Feed the hungry with food. Care for the sick with medicine. And preach the gospel with words. Just tell people. It's real. It's, it's like we can't get out of it. I hope that's actually not bad news for you today. See, it's really good news. You should have heard Abby Beach beforehand. So We didn't make her do this while she was standing freezing cold on the lake. Beforehand, we let her give her testimony. And she talked about how, yeah, she's been a Christian ever since she was a little kid, but how God really has come alive in her. 
And she has purpose and direction. And you know what? When she was saying that, 50 kids' eyes were just riveted on her. It was great. It was real. It was authentic. It wasn't some sort of, you know, perfectly uh, created speech. It was real. And more than anything else, I think we just want real. Because we see so much junk. We see so much spin. We see so much just marketing. And we're sick of that. We just want real. We want real people. And friends, that is what your unsaved friends, that is what your neighbors, your loved ones, the people who are far from God right now who are in your life, they don't want anything other than real. And will we, will we have the Will we have the courage, not even our own courage, but the courage that the Holy Spirit can give to us and the sensitivity that the Spirit can give to us to just be real in that moment and to share honestly who Jesus is when that time comes? A pastor from Chicago writes this, I think we get so concerned about not coming across as some kind of Jesus freak that we're silent on the biggest and best news, the best story we could ever have the privilege of sharing. I mean, come on, he says. Come on, are we really more concerned about what people think of us than whether or not they find their way back to God? That's what's going on. Am I more concerned about what people think about me rather than this person finding their way back to God? When you really think about what those two things are, it's so unimportant what people think of you compared to them reconnecting with God. And you know what? If you are authentic and real, they'll think of you as, well, at least, at least I'm getting the real deal from them. And your story will sit there like a lump in their throat. And they'll be like, I can't. Mm. There seems something about that that is so real. A woman named Jen Savini used to be a self-described atheist. She felt that you had to be simple-minded and uninformed to believe in Jesus. But now, she's a committed Christ follower, and if you asked her about how that huge change happened in her life, she wouldn't tell you about intellectual or philosophical arguments for faith in Christ that swayed her. She wouldn't say that at all. She said that she never had any trouble just dismissing those in her mind, whether that was fair or not. She was just like, eh, not interested. What she would tell you is about how a close friend of hers told her how Christ had changed their life. And how that close friend said that Jesus was real. And Jen didn't know what to do with that. It just kind of sat there inside of her, tugging at her. She would say that her friend's story sort of lived in her heart and mind for years. And that in her moments when she wrestled with the idea of a God who might just possibly love her, it was her friend's story of what God had done in her life that finally made all the difference. Hey, if you share your story with somebody... Uh, there's no guarantee they're dropping to their knees and professing Christ right at that moment. But you know what? Your story is going to sit there in their mind when they're lying in bed at night wondering if this God thing really could be real. Here's a 
very simple way of telling your story. To just think about these three things. What was my life like before I met Jesus? And what caused me to put my faith in Jesus? And what is my life like now? Do you hear that? It's simple. Before, during, after. And for some of you, you've got a really definite before. It was really different before. And then you had some, something that happened. And it drew you to Christ and that's real. And now you, your life is totally different. And you can look and you can say, wow, this is, the, this is really different. And for others of you, you didn't have such a defined before. And, and, and I want you to know that that's okay. You're privileged. You're privileged if you grew up and your whole life you've known who Christ is. Because you're able to avoid some of the consequences of having a big before story. And your story might sound a little bit like this. I, I've always known Jesus, but at some point early in my life, I became aware that this knowing Jesus that from very early childhood I had was this huge gift that other people didn't have. And now that I see that that's this huge gift, I'm just so thankful, so deeply thankful for that. I really appreciate it much more. That's exactly what happened to me. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were uh, strong Christians. They shared Jesus with me from a very early age. And from a very early age, I believed in Jesus. And I wanted to make Jesus happy. And I wanted to serve Jesus. And my faith grew. And, and, and there were multiple experiences that, which helped me grow in my faith more. And then when I, I got to, uh, uh, to graduate school, especially at Alfred University, which was a wonderful experience. And while I was there, I had all these friends whom I loved deeply, and they did not have a connection to Jesus. And they did not have the purpose or the direction or the, the power or the hope that I had. Like I would just go through life and I knew that even if everything went terribly wrong with my studies, I still would have a hope. I knew that even if my whole family passed away, I would still have hope. I knew that no matter what would happen in this world, even if I died, I would still have hope. I had that kind of rock-solid hope, and I realized, oh my goodness, my friends whom I love do not have this hope, and it hit me what a gift I had in knowing Jesus, and I just became so much more thankful for that. And you know what? God used that to drive me into ministry. Now, he, I'm not saying you're going to get driven into ministry if that's your experience. That was just my experience. But this is my story. God used that to drive me into ministry because I realized this is such a precious thing and I want people to know this more than anything else. And I want people to notice God. And so I'm standing here before you today because God has placed me in this place to say God is real. And there's nothing short of, of joy, the joy of being able to share that reality with somebody who doesn't have hope and doesn't have a, a direction and purpose and being able to say, those things are real. Like, I have confidence about this world and about the next. And you can have that too because Christ can come into your life and truly change things. Now, every, I'm not perfect. You, you all know that. God's still working on me, still sanctifying me. 
But I get to share that story. And it's, it's, it's life-changing for me. And you have a story too. And guess what? Nobody can refute it. Nobody can say, oh, that's not true. It is true. It's your life. And when you share that, it's so real. And friends, you have the power to share your story with people that nobody else in this room has the power to share it with. You have connections that nobody else in this room, and if we all pull together, wow, the difference that that can make. We all get to preach the gospel at all times, and we get to use words, and it's great. I hope you'll consider it. Let's pray. Lord, um, that simple exercise of saying, what was my life like before Jesus? And what's it like now I've turned my life over to him? And, and, and what happened in the middle that caused me to turn it over to him? Lord, before, during, after... Would you just help us to think about what those words would be in our lives? God, I pray that nobody will leave here today without thinking about that. And God, I pray that if there's somebody here today who's thinking, I'm not really sure that I know Jesus. Lord, that you would just impress upon them at this very moment that you are reaching out to say to them, You might still be in your before, but your moment can be today, and your life can be transformed. Oh God, I pray if there's anybody here today who's even wondering if you're real, that you would come at this time and they would just turn their lives over to you, Lord, and say, I I want this. I don't even know, I'm not even sure what that means, but I want it. And I God, I just pray that the rest of us we wouldn't hesitate to share the best news ever. Pray it in your name, Lord. Amen.